when working from home, even putting on shoes, you know, you get dressed and you put on shoes and you say, when I wear shoes, I'm at work. And at the end of the day, I kick off my shoes and close my computer and I'm done. And those kind of mental rituals create the same thing that a commute will do, right? It's that mental transition away from home into work and vice versa. Welcome to Change Your Mindset Podcast, where it's all about believing in and executing on different and innovative ways to strengthen both your leadership and communication skills to help increase your success, and especially in today's disruptive business environment. One of the most effective ways of building stronger leadership and communication skills is by embracing the principles of improvisation. (laughs) Yes, that's right, improv. Your host, Peter Margaritas, is an improv virtuoso. He's also a certified speaking professional and a CPA, also known as the Accidental Accountant. Each episode of Change Your Mindset is designed to bring you different and innovative ideas, thoughts, and behavioral changes on a variety of differing topics, with the sole purpose of strengthening your critical soft skills. We may call them soft skills, but they are the hardest to master. And when we do, greater success and growth is the result. So jump in and start changing your mindset now. Let's start the show. How much are you emailing, using Slack or Jabber during your workday? Are you on back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back Zoom meetings and experiencing Zoom fatigue? Do you find yourself procrastinating your most important work and doing easier things first just so you can cross it off your list and feel good about it? Can you find time to focus on your most important work in order to move your business forward? Well, those questions and more will be discussed by my guest, Jake Kahana, who's a designer, entrepreneur, and a teacher. Jake is the co-founder of Cave Day, a company founded to maximize productivity for individuals and corporations through facilitated deep focus sessions and deep work training. Their global community has participated in over 10,000 hours of deep work in the cave. As a founding U.S. faculty member with the School of Life, Jake teaches workshops in emotional intelligence for corporate teams. He speaks at conferences and companies around the world. He's proud to have his work as part of the permanent collection at the Museum of Modern Art and his parents' fridge since 1989. Currently, Jake is working on the Creative Department, a management training consulting curriculum for creative leaders. The Cave is a group of people, otherwise known as cave dwellers, working on their most important work for a focused period of time. This focused period of time is called a sprint. And there are one sprint or three sprints, which equates to one hour and three hour focused periods of time. Cave dwellers start with the hardest things first. They monotask and eliminate all distractions, close all tabs on their browsers, turn their cell phones off, mute notifications, etc. It's a fascinating process and it's amazing how much important work you can get done in the allotted time frame. Currently, all sessions are done remotely, and Jake is looking forward to doing them live and in person sometime in the near future, as well as having them available remotely. To learn more, go to www.caveday.org, 
And maybe I'll even see you in one of the cave sessions. Before we get to the interview, just a couple of housekeeping items. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. This episode is sponsored by Peter A. Margaritas, LLC, also known as The Accidental Accountant. Are you looking for a speaker that can bring powerful content, virtually or in person or on-site, that is memorable and engaging in a way that motivates and inspires your audience? Instead of data dumping and numbing with numbers, imagine your people and teams delivering a financial story to your stakeholders, a story that creates engaging and relationship-building business conversations. Would you be interested in learning more about how that is accomplished? How would you feel if the value your facilitator provided your organization far exceeded the dollar amount on their invoice? Peter Margaritas, CPA and Certified Speaking Professional, delivers all of the above and much, much more. All of Peter's programs can be done virtually, in person and on-site at your location, or at an off-site venue. Send Peter a note at peter at petermargaritas.com and or visit his website at www.petermargaritas.com to learn more about what Peter can bring to your next conference, management retreat, or workshop. Now, let's get to the interview with Jake Kahana. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Man, do I have an important guest today and someone that you really need to listen to. Jake, I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to have a conversation with my audience around your work. So first and foremost, welcome to the show. Thanks, Peter. Excited to be here. I'm excited for you to be here. So in, in doing my research, Deep Focus, I keep hearing about and seeing your name associated with and listening to some of the other podcast interviews that you've done. Oh, excuse me, squirrels. No, wrong. That's not Deep Focus, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's a distraction. So can, can you give us some insight into what your definition of Deep Focus and, and the work that you're doing uh, currently? Sure. I, I think it's helpful to start with sort of the opposite of that. Let's talk about shallow work for a second. I think a lot (laughs) of us have this experience of doing shallow work every day. And Microsoft did a study about three years ago that said that the average focus time at work is 40 seconds at a time. And obviously part of that is external distractions, right? Our coworkers sending us an email, maybe our phone buzzes, but we also get in our own way a lot. Uh, You know, I, I know that sometimes I'll start an email, it'll get hard. And as soon as I'm, I'm not sure what to write, I'll open up another tab and I have to you know, edit a Google Doc. And so I start writing that and, oh, you know what? I have to check my bank account and I open up my bank, but it's loading slowly. So let me just open up Amazon. And suddenly I'm <laughs> buying toilet paper when I was supposed to be writing an email. And this idea of shallow work is what a lot of us are used to. It's sort of this reactive, you know, as the work comes in, I'm just trying to get it off my plate, answer emails, answer Slack messages, you know, get back to colleagues and clients and those kinds of things. But when it comes to the kind of important work that will make our days feel more productive and make us feel more accomplished at the end of the week and really make our careers uh, more fulfilling, it it requires deep work. And we define deep work as focus without distraction on a demanding task. Now, we, we spend very little of our time doing that, but the more that we can sort of prioritize the important work in our days and then in our lives, you know, that 
that project, that podcast, that company, that new product that you want to launch, you know, that requires sort of focused attention without distraction in order to get that kind of work done. You want to write a book as part of your, you know, career or legacy or whatever, um, that requires sort of prioritizing that work and, and really focusing on the stuff that matters, not just the emails and Slack messages. I'm, I've got this huge smile kind of laugh on my face because I think you just described my last four hours here today mm-hmm. uh, and thinking about the, the deep work. I've, I've got some post-it flip charts up on how I'm trying to redesign my business, which requires deep focus and trying to write another book. But I'm playing in the shallow pool way too much. Yeah. And we all do it because it, it feels good to have these short bursts of you know crossing things off our list, to clear out our inbox, to know that, hey, I, I have to respond to that thing and I'm just going to get to it. And it takes a lot more effort and we're rewarded less often by prioritizing those things. You know, It doesn't feel good to sort of sit with that book and write a, write a 200-page book over the course of nine months and struggle with that process. You know, We don't get those intermittent rewards that we do like when we check our phones or when we respond to an email. And so um, it requires a different kind of thinking, a different kind of motivation, and a different kind of structure for our work. So in thinking about deep work and deep focus, does it also go with when, when are we the most productive? Uh, I'm a morning person. I don't know how I became a morning person, but I'm a morning person. And I know that at about three o'clock in the afternoon, my mental capacity, my desire, my that's that's when I really should be reading my emails. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I think I think there are different kinds of workers, right? I'm a morning person too. I wake up at 545 every morning. I do my my best thinking before 10 a.m. But and I know that there are night owls too. My co-founder tends to do his best thinking between um, 7 and 10 p.m. It's, f- it's fine. What, what we've, not us personally, but what the science of productivity has shown is that everyone has uh, a peak, a trough, and a rebound. Sort of this time when you're most focused, your, your brain is at its highest energy. We all have that trough, that low point of, you know, that three o'clock crash, that mm. after lunch, you know, needing, needing a coffee, pick me up. And then we all have that little rebound. And most people, there's been thousands of workers, you know, that have been studied that show that most people's peak tends to be between, um, I think it's like 10 and 11.30 a.m. And the trough tends to be that 2 to 4, and that rebound comes right after. And like you said, you know, it really whatever works for you, but scheduling your day by taking your most important, highest priority work and putting that in the time where you're doing your most, your highest energy, uh, when you have your highest energy, and doing the sort of administrative, um, easy stuff when you have the low, your, your, your trough. Because it doesn't make sense to be spending time in emails and um, scheduling when your brain is like firing on all cylinders. So in full transparency, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a procrastinator. I'm an improviser. I can write it in my calendar. I can, I can put it in my full focus planner. I can put it in one of my top three. And I've got an erasable ink pen. <laughs> I can I can put it in my Google Calendar, I, and I find I find myself and and I think others that we know that we do our best work, 
but there's just something about getting, um, I think it's to your point. Oh, look at all these little things I can take care of and feel good about I've made accomplishments versus, so how do we begin to change our mindset and, and, and really, is there some tips or, uh, tips or techniques that, that you can share to help us be focused when we need to be focused? There's a great book and research done by author Gretchen Rubin. Her book is called Better Than Before, which outlines the four tendencies. Uh, it's another book. But it's this idea of like, how are we motivated? How do we pick up habits? And some of us are obligers. Some of us are upholders, rebels, or questioners. And that's this is the... It's this idea that when there are rules, how do we respond? So I know that I am an, uh, an upholder, which means if there is a rule, I will uphold it. Meaning I can say, I put this on my calendar, I'm going to do it. I made the rule, I, I keep it. Some of us are obligers, which means I need someone else. I need to sort of be obliged to someone. So if I need to really do this work, I need to t- say, hey, Peter, I'm going to send you my presentation by Friday. If you can just sort of you know, respond to it or, or, you know, tell me that you got it. You're going to hold me accountable. It's the same thing why we have workout buddies and book clubs and those kinds of things. Yeah. And then there are questioners who are sort of like, I'm on a diet, but, you know, it's my partner's birthday. I'm going to have a piece of cake. They question everything and make sure it makes sense for this, the given situation. And rebels are the opposite, right? It's There's a rule and I'm going to go against it. So I'm not promoting her book, but she has a little quiz that you can take to identify which of the four tendencies you are that will help you do that. So I'm going to do a little bit of a self-plug. I'm sure we'll have some time later, but, but Cave Day offers facilitated deep work where you can join our sessions, be around a group of people, you know, join us on Zoom and do some deep work around other people so that when you get stuck, you, know, you can sort of look up and see 80 other people working hard and uh, it's helpful to sort of keep us on track. So tell me more about Cave Day. Now we'll, we'll circle back here in a second, but I, I, I went out to the website and I looked at it and I went, Okay, and and you do you, you do offer these remotely using Zoom. Mm-hmm. So I've got fifteen twenty people in a gallery view, and I'm doing deep work. So the audio's off, but the video's on. So everybody's on mute, and we're working. Yeah, and we can look up and go, oh look, everybody else is working. So I need to get back to work. Yeah. Uh, that's that's basically the concept. I think we've okay. we've added some extra layers in it in in terms of we've tried to create a space that uh, we we call a transformative space where the rules in this space are different than the rules out in the world. We did a lot of research in terms of uh, things like funerals, um, things like adventure clubs, things like sex parties. Um, we did a lot of reading, not attending, <laughs> uh, to to feel like. We really understand how do we create an environment where the rules here are different than the rules out there. And mm-hmm. part of what we do is we create a, an opening and a closing of every cave. We call our, our sessions caves. So when you come into the cave, we do a welcome circle. We check in. You know, what are you working on today? We, we break you out into little groups so that you get to know people a little bit better. And I get to say, you know, I'm Jake. I'm calling from New Jersey. I'm working on my newsletter today. I'm going to leave out checking my email. Uh, you know, it's important that we identify what, what's going to distract us in the cave, leave things out. And the same thing at the end of every cave, we say, what was, what was your accomplishment today? What did you, what, 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 what is one win you can share from today? And part of that is, you know, when we're working at home by ourselves, and most of us are these days, we don't have anyone around us to say, hey, I got so much done today, or 
that thing I've been putting off for months and months and months, I finally, you know, put up my blog or whatever. And when we're in the cave, when we have this facilitator, when we have this community around us sort of supporting our work, uh, it feels really good. So that what I was talking about before, when you're, you know, slogging through writing that book for nine months or two, three, five years without any sort of intermittent rewards, um, what we're trying to do is sort of feel like we're making incremental progress and getting rewarded for that. So not only is there this opening and closing ritual, but we also break down the time. So science shows us that our brains can focus for at most 52 minutes at a time. So in the cave, we break down our work into like 40 to 50 minute work sprints. And in between, we take group breaks. So it might be anything from a stretch to a breakout room where you're talking about uh, you know, what's your, what, what are you looking forward to this weekend? Uh, it's a chance to sort of, it's a chance to counteract some of the negative effects of working remotely, specifically isolation uh, and feeling drained at the end of the day. So the more that we can create some physical activity, the more that we can connect with each other, uh, the more that that energy gets funneled into our work and we can end our day not only feeling accomplished, but feeling energized. So when you join a group or be part of is it for do you is it for 90 minutes is it for a full day what's that time frame around that currently at the time of recording our sessions are three and a half hours long okay okay um it's it's a half day so we have a, an early morning session a morning session and an afternoon session those are east coast times uh we're we're Currently in the process, I'll say right now, this is, this is being recorded in mid-May, and we're currently in the process of expanding our schedule and offering shorter sessions. So okay. uh, likely by the time this airs, there will be you know, one-hour sessions, two-and-a-half-hour sessions, three-and-a-half-hour sessions, um, and you can join us for you know, any of them. Yeah, this will air, uh, uh, I believe it's July 9th. So yeah, we're still a couple few months away. But I, I, how you, how, I can see how you're modifying the product offering and, and to meet the variety of different needs. Because if, if I need something, I just need to, an hour just to power through. Right. Break my, in three and a half hours might, might, be, might be too much. How long ago did you start Cave Day? Sure, we started uh, in January of 2017. That was our first event. And it was really meant to be very casual. Me and my two co-founders, my good friends, Molly and Jeremy, we had this idea that, hey, we like getting stuff done. Our friends have projects. What if we started the year you know, doing some research, creating this event mm-hmm. where we would spend a day just working together and, and feeling energized? And so we like, you know, got catering, we sold tickets, and you know, we had 50 people at the first event. It was a full day in New York City and we you know we sold out and we made 300 bucks each or something like that and <laughs> I was like oh that was that was cool this this is going to this is something you know everyone was like I got so much done and I feel energized and I made new friends I would do this every day and so for about the first year we ran once a month it was a full sunday that was people coming together as an event to get their stuff mm-hmm. done and over the course of the years we've changed our model. So instead of it being a one-off event that we sell tickets to, now we sell membership. We run currently six days a week, I think like over 50 sessions a month. Um, And so we've got people joining us. So we we started doing remote things about a year and a half ago. And um, when all of this COVID stuff happened, I think the first week of March, we shifted everything to remote, which 
you know, good or bad, it's sort of being, it's a weird time to be a company that is growing and doing well right now. But uh, I think people need this kind of structure and community to get their work done. So yeah, we, we run 50 over, we run 54 sessions a month and uh, we're trying to help people work smarter. Wow. Because uh, I, I, I think about the one segment of my audience who are entrepreneurs who uh, work, work, they're used to working at home and the challenges of working at home by ourselves and being motivated and getting things done that we're, we're, we're playing in the shallow, we're playing in the shallow pool way too much. Yeah. Well, the opportunity to go and spend that time in an environment albeit Zoom, and I'm still by myself, but I'm with a group of people, and I've done all the right things to put some, do not disturb on my door, you know, shut down remove my the distractions, yeah. Yeah, remove all those distractions and just focus on something. I, I think that's the sort of, I mean, that's just brilliant. Uh, it, well, it, it's obviously you're successful at this as it has grown and evolved oh, since 2017, and now being forced into this remote remote world, which... I would assume that you'll once we get to the other side of this, you'll start offering you know um, live as well as keeping the remote piece. Yeah, it's hard to know what work will look like. I'll say even two months from now, let alone right. six months now or a year from now. I, I think that the the remote caves that we're running all the time now are pretty magical. You know, people are saying they're getting two and three times the amount of work done. People are, you know feeling like they're a part of a community and, and is really a rewarding experience for a lot of people. But I will say that I, I miss being in the room with people. You know, it's, it's sort of the same thing. I don't know. I don't know if any, I'm sure some of your listeners are, you know, doing workouts at home. And I know I'm trying to work out watching a 15 minute, 20 minute YouTube video and, you know, doing jumping jacks in front of my computer. And you know, I'm getting a decent workout, but it's definitely not the same as being in the room with people. Like, you know, you want a good workout. It's right. being in a room with people that are all sweating and all pushing you. I think it's the same thing for cave day and for work. It's, um, it's even more magical to be in the room. So we'll get back to running in-person ones. But for now, uh, the, the remote caves are, are still a pretty magical experience. Now, as we're having this conversation, I, something just popped into my head, something I've read, and I think it follows the same philosophy. And if it, if it doesn't, please correct me. But I started reading stuff about flow, getting into the flow. Mm. Is that similar to the, 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 this, this, this deep focus, deep work? Yeah, definitely. We talk okay. a lot about flow in our teaching, in our workshops. So flow is this idea, for those of you who don't know, um, coined by a psychologist named Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. I don't know how to spell his name, but his first name is M-I-H-A-L-Y. So it's pronounced Mihai. Uh, but um, flow is this idea of being fully immersed in your work. It's sort of that in-between state where you're like not so bored that you want to quit and not so challenging uh, that you want to give up. So it's sort of that in-between, I'm challenged, I know what I'm doing, I'm like in the zone. Uh, and part of what we try to do in the cave is to like trick our brains into getting into that state faster because our work performance goes up. We learn faster. We're more creative and we're generally happier when we're fully immersed in whatever we're, we're doing. So how do we trick our brains? <laughs> uh, so I'll give you, we, we have, we have three conditions that we say when we, when we run our workshops, we say there are three conditions to trick your brain into going into flow. Now you're, 
our brains are all intermittent in terms of like, you know, I don't know about you. I didn't sleep very well last night. I, I, I sort of feel off today and my brain can't just flip on and say, okay, go into flow. So the three conditions that we talk about are definition, where you're defining the work that you're doing for a set period of time. I'm, I'm, I'm saying, I'm going to write my newsletter for the next period of time and nothing else. Defining what I'm working on and, and likely choosing one of my priority tasks. If we call deep work, focus without distraction on a demanding task, we're choosing demanding tasks. It's hard to go into flow when you're just writing your emails or doing mm-hmm. not demanding tasks. So definition, number one. Number two is time. So setting a range of time um, in the cave, I said our sprints are about 40 to 50 minutes. I'd recommend something similar. But, but having a set period of time where you say, I'm just going to do that amount of work uh, for, for that period of time. And if it's possible, I don't, uh, sometimes what we'll tell people is to get like a kitchen timer and just sort of twist it around 30, 40, 50 minutes. You don't have to, it doesn't matter if it's 37 minutes or 41 minutes. If you have some flexibility in your schedule, you know, twist it, turn it around. Uh, and it'll be the best $3 you ever spent on a, on a timer because that allows us to get into flow mode where it doesn't matter how much time uh, I'm letting the work sort of take the time that it needs instead of saying like, oh, it's three more minutes until three o'clock. I better just check my email real quick. Um, so time is the second one. Mm-hmm. And third is focus. So we talk about removing all of your distractions, putting your phone on the other side of the room across the house, whatever, out of sight, out of reach, closing all the tabs or or applications you don't need, and uh, monotasking. Um, We're used to thinking that multitasking is a way to be productive. There's a lot of science, I'm not going to go into it all now, that shows us that monotasking is actually the best way for our work to get done and for our flow to happen. So definition, time, focus. Yeah, I I, I agree. Uh, We can't multitask. And and I I realized... I, I. I discovered that I have a new type of, of situation going on. As somebody explained it, I have EADD, Entrepreneurial Attention Deficit Disorder. <laughs> okay, tell me more. <laughs> which, which, is the, which is the shallow pool. I've got so many things I have to do. I think I create more distractions as an entrepreneur because, you know, I, I, mean, I do have a virtual assistant that helps, but it's still primarily everything laying yeah. on me. And... I didn't make that up. I, I I heard someone say that or read it in a book. And I went, that makes it even harder to get into this deep focus and, and, yeah. and to shut and, off all those distractions. And, and I want to just also encourage you to be a little more self-forgiving and a little bit more recognizing that like that is what makes us successful as entrepreneurs because right. we're aware of all the things going on, always thinking about work. But, but at, at Cave Day, we want to also make sure that we're aware that um, we don't burn out, that that kind of constant work can get in the way of like our relationships to other people. It, it gets in the way of our self-care and making sure that we're sleeping enough and eating properly and exercising and all that. And that's a really important part of our, our work too. So uh, I've never heard of EADD, um, <laughs> but I think it, 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 it's a real thing, whether it's diagnosable or not, I think, you know. Right. But when it, when it comes to that first part, the definition and trying to define our work, one thing that we, say, we, we tell people is to define what finished looks like. I know it's really easy for us to come up with a to-do list of all the things mm-hmm. that we want to do today. But for that sprint that you're, you're about to do some, some work or for today's day, you know, what does finished look like? Because 
we all know that there is more work that we could be doing. I could be reaching out to more clients. I could be researching. I could be, you know, as a, as a creative person too, I could be designing more or writing another version. And if we just said that for the next period of time, for the next 45 minute sprint or for the next day, I know that I have this most important task. I need to make this presentation and finished looks like getting the slides done or finished looks like 30 minutes without doing anything else or finished looks like you know, just sending off the email. And I know that there is more work to be done, but unless we find some way to sort of cap our work day or our work periods of time, uh, we're constantly working. And, and again, that's a dangerous relationship to work where you, you sort of are giving and giving and it's never enough. It's one of the curses of being an entrepreneur. I, I, say, this, I say this jokingly, but, you know, people ask me, um, you know, how many hours do I work? And I go, I haven't worked one day since I started this business because I love what I do. Now, ask my wife and you'll get a completely different answer. And and it's not, you know, and, and so it's it's actually been a, a somewhat of a challenge. And I well, I would take my work on vacation with me this mm-hmm. past year. We, we we spent some time down on Sunnybell Island. I didn't do my normal get up in the morning, work until ten. They get up. I did very. I did less amount of work. I enjoyed myself a lot more. But then again, you know what happens when you go on vacation? When you come back, it's all still sitting there. Yeah, exactly. I and mean, that's the curse of being an entrepreneur. Yeah, that, that that is. So as the as the workforce has now been forced out into a remote workforce, and by the time this airs, you know, states will have we're all beginning to reopen here in Ohio. Uh, we started a soft opening on May first. Uh, manufacturing distribution is back. Uh, yesterday we had retail uh, establishment open. Restaurants are starting to open again. But there's still this group that, that will probably work remotely. And, and find, I'm, I'm talking to other organizations that they're thinking about getting a smaller corporate real estate footprint. So you've talked about it, but from a remote workforce that's at home, who's not used to it, who's getting to it. And this, when I first started this business, Jake, you know what my biggest distraction was? The refrigerator would wink at me when I walked past it. <laughs> the pantry would yeah, the, the, the pantry would go, right. come over, I got, and then the TV, and it took about two solid years until I could actually work out of the house. Hmm. So do you have any tips on, and you've talked about a lot of these, but specifically trying to adjust to a remote workforce when I have potentially other people in the house too? And that's that's been some of a big question I've been asked a number of times. I think... Um... The, the short version, and it's not very satisfying. I don't, I don't think that there are like easy tips. I don't think it's sort of like, just do this and, and the refrigerator won't be enticing. Just do this and you know your couch won't sound better than your office chair. Um, it, it doesn't work like that. I think ultimately what we have to do is one, recognize that those things are real and, and two, feel like we can manage our impulses. That in, in some ways, you know, I could give you a lot of little tips, everything from sort of like portioning out your snacks ahead of time or scheduling, you know, in your day, when are you going to take breaks and what are you going to be doing and, and planning that out ahead of time so that you can just stay on task and not feel like, you know, now is not break time. Now is not my snack time. My snack time is at 1130 and at 4.30 or whatever it is. Um, mm-hmm. I think those are small tips that could help. But ultimately, we have to recognize that 
we need to manage ourselves and that we need to manage our impulses. And that if that's your weak point, how can we, we talk a lot at Cave Day about creating friction, right? Like putting steps in between you and what you want in order to make it harder. So things like, again, putting your phone out of reach, out of sight. If the refrigerator is distracting to you, um, can you put a note on the refrigerator? Can you work on the other side of the house? Can you put all of your food in, in Tupperware? Adding extra steps can get in the way of saying like, actually, is it really worth it to me to do that? So maybe not a satisfying answer, but um, I think creating friction is probably the, the easiest tactical thing. That wasn't what I was expecting, but that's what I, what, but that's what we need. Uh, I, I haven't thought about from from that perspective, but I I, I think I, I agree. With you. There's no easy to do it, but I like the idea of creating creating friction, and that might help in adjusting to a a now normal new normal world where we're having to work. My office is in the basement. Mm-hmm. Uh, if while and, and just getting accustomed to our surroundings and, and the distractions that are there, uh, and also and also recognizing the flexibility that we have. Totally, the, the you know some of us love the independence and flexibility of working from home, and for other people, it's a curse that, that going to the office and having that structure is mm-hmm. actually what they need. And I, I think in some ways, the more that we can define our workspace as you know, in the same way we can trick our brains into going into flow mode, mm-hmm. we, can, we can trick our brains into going to work and, and, you know, I'm at work or I'm not at work. And part of that might be creating rituals at the beginning and end of your day, whether that's going for a fake commute or getting dressed uh, and, and showering and, um, you know, sitting down at a specific, this is, you know, this is my table with my computer and my computer does not leave this table. It doesn't join me on the couch. My computer doesn't come to bed with me. Mm-hmm. Um, creating defined spaces for work might help sort of say that, hey, this table, this corner, this chair, when I sit here, I'm at work. And when I stand up, I'm not. And, you know, that mental shift. One of the small things that we've told people before is when working from home, even putting on shoes, you know, you get dressed and you put on mm-hmm. shoes and you say, when I wear shoes, I'm at work. And at the end of the day, I kick off my shoes and close my computer and I'm, and I'm done. And, and those kind of mental rituals create the same thing that a commute will do, right? It's that mental transition away from home into work and vice versa. And that's, that's a good point because um, I've always gotten in the habit of once I started this, getting up in the morning, t- taking a shower, acting like I'm going to work, getting dressed, but not dressed if I was going into an office, but at least having a pair of, a pair of jeans, a collar yeah. shirt or whatever. And, and then came this whole thing dressed above the waist uh, and, and I've tried it, and I I found out that if I'm dressed above the waist and wearing sweatpants or or scrub pants or something like that, it, it just doesn't feel the same. It just doesn't. Feel, yeah, and, and to that point, I I make sure, and I, I have to be fully transparent. I'm wearing sweatpants today. Uh, it's just been one of those days that I came down, worked out, and then oh, I got this call, and it's just kept moving in that direction. But it feels. A little, it's been feeling a little weird all day, all day, and I should have just went up, put on a pair of pants, came back down. But that, that's something I've been using to trick my brain. Yeah, I, I, it's a it's a great point that having that mental transition from uh, I'm putting on pants, I'm showing up to work. It, it tells your brain to take it more seriously. Yeah, it does. Um, as we begin to wrap up, 
how can people contact you? How, how can people find you? Sure. We are at caveday.org. Uh, we're not a nonprofit, but we are a community-based organization. Uh, caveday.org, you can learn about us. You can contact us. You can um, sign up for our mailing list for a free session and find us on any social media. I believe we're just at Caveday on Instagram, Twitter, Product Hunt, Facebook, all of the social medias. But, but go to our website, learn more, caveday.org. Yeah, it's a, it's a great website. Product Hunt, I never heard of that one. Product Hunt is a uh, system for people to discover new tech products. It works a little bit like Reddit, where you, you post something and people can upvote it. And mm. the more popular something becomes, the, the more it gets attention. So I've seen anything from uh, you know, online legal help to a hobby club where every week you you get a new hobby emailed to you and, and together with a community you learn how to break big bread or whatever. Um, <laughs> there's really interesting products on, on that site. So I, I tell you, I'm going to I'm gonna have to go out and visit. Well, I, I can't thank you enough for taking time out. I've enjoyed this conversation. It's, it really intrigues me because I know my weaknesses and I know I need to strengthen and become that, that focused. And you've given me some great thought and, and, and ideas to do. And you will find me. Uh, I will sign up for the newsletter and, and take a test drive because uh, I'm, I'm even more curious now than I was prior to this interview. So thank you for your time. It's been great. I, I appreciate it. And uh, I look forward to someday our paths actually crossing in real life. Yeah, I'd love that. Hope to see you and your listeners in the cave soon. Thanks, Peter. Cool. I would like to thank Jake for his time and explain how we need to find time to do some deep focus and deep work and how important it is to get this done. So how are you going to change your mindset and set aside an hour a week or more to do the important work and to move your business forward faster? Will you decide to become one of the cave dwellers? Or will you try to attempt this on your own? Either way, we need to spend more time in deep focus and deep work with no distractions. Thank you for listening. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please take a moment and leave a review on iTunes or whatever platform you download your podcast from. Also, please subscribe and share this episode with a friend. Make today your best day. Like what you just heard, visit c-suiteradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.